Let's go to God's Word this morning. Go back to the book of 1 John, chapter 4 this morning. Uh, We're in the middle of a series entitled The Birthmarks of a True Christian, a True Child of God. And we've said so far that John writes this when there's a time of confusion is what it means to be a Christian. Uh, And we see this even in our society today. We know that over 60% of people in our country claim to be Christians. And uh, if that's the truth, then our country is really in a mess because of that. Uh, And so, I want us to look at the last few weeks, what we've been doing is, what does it mean to be a true child of God? Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, that many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? In your name, have we not cast out demons? In your name, have we not performed many miracles? And he will say, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, I never knew you. And the Apostle Paul challenges us in 2 Corinthians 13 that we should test ourselves to see whether or not we are in the faith. Make sure that you examine yourself. And then Peter says in 2 Peter 1, uh, verse 10, he says that we should make all the more sure that our calling and election is certain, okay? And so it's important for us as God's children to make sure that we are truly saved because Just because you fell out a card one time doesn't mean you're saved. Just because you go to church doesn't mean you're saved, okay? And so how do we know that we're saved? Well, John writes this letter, and and he says in 1 John 5, 13, he says, These things I have written to you that believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. In other words, you can know that you have eternal life. And let's kind of do a little review here in case some that have missed a couple of weeks or whatever. We said the first birthmark is a birthmark of confession. In other words, a true child of God confesses Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We said that is not just simply saying something. It is aligning yourself, agreeing with what Jesus says. And then we said the second birthmark is the birthmark of communion. In other words, having commonality with Jesus Christ. In other words, do you have fellowship with Jesus? Okay, It's not just what you say. Has there been a change in your life? And then the third one we said was the, bookmark, the birthmark of compassion or love. If you are a Christian, you are going to love God, and you're also going to love one another, okay? And so we've said there is that birthmark of confession. There's the birthmark of communion. There's also the birthmark of compassion, Now, let's go to chapter 5, and I want us to read verses 1 through 5 this morning. We'll get another birthmark here. And look how John is going to lay this out still continuously. He says, whoever believes that Jesus Christ is, is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the, loves the child, who the Father loves the child born of him. He says in verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. Now notice in those three verses there, he lays out what we've been over so far. He talks about there, whoever believes. That's your confession. Okay? Then he talks about loving God. That's compassion. Then he talks about if you love God, you're going to observe his commandments. That is your communion with God. Understand that. 
Now in verse 4 and 5, he's going to give us another characteristic of a child of God. And we see this. He says, for whatever is born of God, <clears throat> notice this, overcomes the world. And there, this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, in order to stay with our seas, I'm going to say this. A child of God is a conqueror. Okay? Not only do we have confession, not only do we have communion, not only do we have compassion, but we are also a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Again, this is just one leg of this table, okay? It's just not, I know there's a song like a long time ago that says two out of three ain't bad, but we're not talking about two out of three of these, okay? A child of God is known by these things. And so before we get into this birthmark, I want us to kind of lay a foundation this morning, okay? Because the gift of salvation is free, but the life of being saved is a fight. And the primary fight of every child of God, the primary area of the fight, let me say it like that, is in your mind. Now listen, in your mind you fight the foe, the devil, who is constantly hurling temptations, threats, and accusations against God's children. And if we do not take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ, we will begin to live by our feelings even though they are contrary to the Word of God. See, the only offensive weapon that we have as a child of God, according to Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Okay? That's our offensive weapon in our battle. But there's two problems that many Christians face in this area. First of all, we don't know the Word of God adequately. We don't. I said we. We don't know the Word of God adequately. Oh, we don't mind reading some devotional. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily. We don't mind reading a book about the Bible. We'll read a newspaper. We'll read social media. We'll read a murder mystery novel, a romance novel. But Christians rarely read the Word of God. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Ask, look at your life this week. How much time do you spend in God's Word this week? Hosea says that my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. They don't know God. They don't know who God is. And let me say this. I can put a weapon in your hand. But if you don't familiarize yourself with that weapon... If you don't know how to use it, what good is it going to do you? 
You can have all the guns in your house, but if you don't know how to load it and pull the trigger, what good does it do for you? And so we don't adequately know the word of God. Also, we don't rightly divide the word of truth. So you can make the Bible say just about anything you want to say if you don't rightly divide it. See, what you need to realize is in this scripture, everything was written for you, but not everything was necessarily written to you. Okay? And let me explain that. Now, when God told Joshua through Moses, when God told Joshua, let me say it like that, that every place your foot is going to set itself on, I'm going to give you that land, he's not talking to us. That's written for us, but not to us. When the angel told Mary that you're going to have a son, you're going to name him Jesus, he ain't talking to us. That's written for us, but not to us. When Jesus sends the 12 out and he says to them, take nothing for your journey, neither staff nor bag nor bread nor money, do not even have on two tunics, he's not talking to us. He's not saying go to the restaurant without any money and I'm going to take care of you. He's not saying go on a mission trip but don't carry anything. And I'm going to take, no, you better take some money with you, especially I'm going with you because I ain't buying it. Okay? Unless you really need it. You understand, you got to look at, at t- when you read the scripture, who's he talking to? Is this written just simply for me or is it written to me? Now, what we're looking at today is not just written for us, but it's written to us. Okay? And that's what we need to understand. So let's go back to our verse 4 and 5, and look what he says here. He says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world but he that believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so if you are a child of God this morning, someone who's got confession, communion, compassion, guess what? You are right now an overcomer. Now why does he say whatever instead of whoever? Because whatever is used, because it takes into account that whatever may be our situation or station in life, whoever is born of God, no matter what his rank or situation, that person is an overcomer. You were made an overcomer the moment you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He's not talking to a special class of Christians. If you fly, you know they've got first class and economy. He's not talking to first class Christians. These are, I'm just talking to those in the front of the plane that's got the extra wide seats and extra wide leg room. He's talking to every child of God and he tells them you are an overcomer you are victorious 
Now let's kind of break this verse down in verse 4. He uses that word overcomes. That's the Greek word nikao. I know that's impressive. But it simply means this. It means to be victorious, to prevail in the face of obstacles. Overcomes is in the present tense in verse 4 and 5. And what it means is one who is constantly overcoming even though there is continuous struggle, there is continuous overcoming. See, the Greeks believed that ultimate victory could only come through, could only come through gods or certain gods. But John says the moment you're born of God, you immediately become an overcomer. Let me say this. You may not feel it. You may not understand it. It's not something way off in your future. It is who you are right now. It's who you are right now. But some of us, we've let the devil discourage us. We've listened to his lies for so long that we don't live like we're victors. We live like we're victims. I'll say this. If you, had, if you went to the ball game Friday night and you burn up and sweated yourself to death, at the end of that game, whether you, regardless of what school you went to, there was two totally different emotions in those locker rooms. The ones that won, they didn't mope around like they were losers. But yet we got God's children moping around like we are losers, like it's over. And it's simply because we don't understand what God's word says. And we live in a state of defeat instead of what God calls us as victors. And so what does a child of God overcome? He says, for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Now listen, we talked about this briefly last week. What is the world? Well, the world is that world system. Remember Jesus said in John 16 33, he said, in the world you're going to have trouble. You're going to have tribulation, but be of good courage. Why? Because I have overcome the world. And then Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 57, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, you didn't earn the victory. It wasn't because you were super talented or super spiritual. You were given victory by Jesus Christ. And there's an old saying that says this, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That's wrong. It's God said it, that settles it. God said it, that settles it. Again, John says, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Three areas I want to look at how we overcome in the world because there's three main enemies that we face in this world. The first one is this, it's the area of sin. 
And I'm here to tell you, listen, the reason why a child of God overcomes sin is because Jesus Christ has freed us from the power of sin. Paul would say in Romans 6 and 2, how shall we who die to sin still live in it? And then he skips down to verse 12 and he says this, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. Then he says in verse 14 of Romans 6, For sin shall not be over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Then verse 18 he says, Having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. You understand this, that when you are saved, Jesus Christ breaks the power of sin in your life. breaks the power of sin. You don't have to do it. You don't have to sin. Do we? Yes. If we do, is it our fault? Yes, it is. And so because Jesus overcame sin, he gives us the victory over sin. Another area that he gives us the victory over is ourself. Paul would say in Romans 8, 12 through 14, So then, brethren, we are, no under, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you must die. But if you by the Spirit are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And so because of Jesus Christ, we've been given victory over, the sin, over sin and over our flesh as well. And if we'll walk in the Spirit... Paul would say, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Third area is Satan. Now listen, I'm not here to diminish Satan's ability. But what I'm going to say is this. If you're in Christ Jesus this morning, you have overcome the devil. Now, some of you, it's going to make you uncomfortable, some of the stuff I'm going to say. But I'm going to say it like this. I'm going to say it like John says in 1 John 3 and 8. He says, the Son of God, third line from the, from the bottom, appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Now, that word destroy doesn't mean to annihilate. It means to render inoperative or to rob of his power. In other words, when Jesus Christ saves you, Jesus breaks the power of Satan over our lives. The devil can't make a child of God do anything. Listen, he cannot come into your mind and steal your joy. Now, I know we sang that song, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole. The enemy cannot steal anything from a child of God. I'm tired of people that have a religion where the devil is sovereign and he's just running around doing what he wants to do in people's lives. If you're a child of God, there's a Greek word for that, that's baloney. you got to understand some things. When Jesus walked this earth and when he was healing people, the scribe said about Jesus, I said, you know what? He is casting out devils by the power of Beelzebub. And Jesus made this statement in Mark 3, 27. He says, no one can enter the strong man's house and plunder his property unless he first binds a strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Who's the strong man there? It's the devil. And what Jesus is saying is this, I went into the devil's house, I bound him, and now I am plundering his kingdom. 
Do you realize that if you're in Christ Jesus, in order for the devil to do anything to me, he's got to get through Jesus first. And yet we got people out there on TV saying that Christians can have a demon. That makes me furious. Makes me furious. Because you can't find that biblically. But they got to do it because they got to keep you coming back to their ministry and give them money so they'll deliver you every time. Well, he's got a spirit of this or spirit of anger. You don't have a spirit of anger. Your flesh is full of anger. You just need to overcome the flesh. So what you need, we always want to blame everything on a spirit of this. I'm not, listen, there are demons, there are spirits. I understand that. But a lot of the stuff people are calling spirits are not spirits at all. They're just simply our flesh. And we want to blame something else for it when it's not a spirit at all. It's just your old rotten, stinking flesh that God has given us power over. Oh, when I get angry, oh, it's not a spirit all of a sudden came over me. It's just my flesh all of a sudden raised its ugly head and come over me. Listen, Paul says in Colossians 2.15 that when Jesus had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Do you understand that Satan is living on limited time with limited power and limited authority? The moment you put your faith in Jesus, you are more than a conqueror. You are victorious in Christ Jesus over the world, the flesh, and Satan himself. I was watching the church service a couple years ago. And I saw all these people, they were just praising and worshiping God. And at the end of the service, the guy said, all right, if you're under a generational curse right now, get down here. 90% of people came down there. I said, my goodness, what's going on here? When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he broke every curse in your life. Listen. A witch can curse at me, but they can't curse me. A warlock can curse at me, but they can't curse me. Why? Because greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. And if you could understand that, listen, all the devil can do to a child of God is give empty threats and then it goes about what you believe. What do you believe? And let me ask you this. If the devil is the father of all lies and there's no truth in him, why don't we believe what he says? See, I'll admit there's consequences to our decisions, but there's no such thing as a New Testament believer living under a generational curse. I don't care what my granddaddy did, what my grandmammy did. That has no effect on me when I'm saved and blood-bought. Amen? That has no effect on me when Jesus Christ comes into my life. 
because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And look what he says, 1 John 5, 18. Let's, let's look at this. He says in verse 18 of chapter 5, we know that no one who is born of God sins. He's talking about their practice of sin, lives in sin continuously, okay? Because we know he's not talking about can't ever sin because if he did, he'd be contradicting himself in, in chapter 1. So what he's talking about is if you're a child of God, you're changed, okay? Then he says this, but he who was born of God keeps him and the evil one does not touch him. Now let's look at that. What does that mean when he says that the evil one cannot touch him? Well, what it's saying there is in the Greek is it's saying that the devil cannot not just touch us because we know that he can attack us. Yes, he can. He can tempt us. He can test us. But guess what? He can't do anything to harm a child of God. That's what John is saying. John is saying, yes, he's a roaring lion. Yes, he walks around. But guess what? If you're in Christ Jesus, seated in heavenly places with Christ, the devil has to get permission the same way with Job before he can do anything in my life. He can tempt us like wheat. He can sift us. But again, a child of God is being held up by God. Revelation 12 and 11 says, And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. They overcame him. Past tense. And I'm here to tell you, listen, understand this. If you're a child of God this morning, you are already an overcomer. You may say, I don't feel like an overcomer. I don't look like an overcomer. That sounds good, preacher, but have you seen my doctor's report? You may say, that sounds good, but have you seen my marriage? That sounds good, but have you seen my family? That sounds good, but have you seen my job situation? How can you say I'm an overcomer? Well, let me say this. The children of Israel did not look like overcomers when they got up to the Red Sea. They looked like they were going under. Joseph did not look like an overcomer when he was in that pit. He did not look like an overcomer when he was in the prison. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not look like an overcomer when they were bound up and thrown into the fiery furnace. Daniel didn't look like an overcomer when he was thrown in the lion's den that night. Jesus did not look like an overcomer when he was hanging on the cross. He didn't look like an overcomer when he was put in a borrowed tomb. But the problem is this. We're too busy looking at the scoreboard right now. Instead of looking at the word of God that tells us that we are an overcomer. We've already overcome. 
And let me say this, if you're a child of God this morning, you are winning this thing, not because of your strength, but because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Paul would say in Romans 8, 37, he says, but in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. That word is hyper-nico. In other words, you are not just conquering, but you are greater than a conqueror. It's more than a conqueror. That's who we are. That's what we are. And what are these things, he says there? Well, if you go up uh, in, the last, in the previous verses, he talks about tribulations. In spite of tribulations, you're a conqueror. In spite of distress, you're a conqueror. In spite of persecutions, you're a conqueror. In spite of famine, you're a conqueror. In spite of nakedness, you're a conqueror. In spite of peril, you're a conqueror. In spite of the sword, guess what? You are a conqueror. This past year, burying my brother was by far and away the hardest thing I have ever faced in my life. This past year, some of you buried some spouses. You may have buried a child. You may have got an awful report. But I'm here to tell you, in spite of facing those outrageous obstacles, I am still standing. You are still standing. And regardless of what comes our way this next year, good Lord willing, that lets us live another year, you will still be standing. It's not because it doesn't ever knock us down. It does knock us down at times. It takes the very breath away from us. But guess what we do? Because of Jesus Christ living inside of us, we get ourselves back up. We dust ourselves back off. And we're still standing regardless of what we face. Why is that? Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We are more than conquerors. In spite of tribulation, in spite of distress, in spite of famine, in spite of nakedness, in spite of all the things that we have to face, in spite of death, we are still standing this morning. What I'm telling you is this. Whatever you're going through today, child of God, you're going to make it through. 
Now listen. There's going to come a time if the Lord is coming, tarries for a while, that I'm going to have a pain and I'm going to go to the doctor if my wife can talk me into it. And they're going to tell me, you've got this, we can't do anything for you. And I'm going to pray for God's will to be done in my life. And if he was to heal me, I praise God for it. But if he doesn't, and I go by the way of the grave, I'm going to outlast the funeral. I'm going to outlast the cemetery. I'm going to outlast no matter what faces me. Why? Because Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, has already defeated death, hell, and the grave. He's not saying you won't ever die. He's not saying you won't ever get sick. He's not saying you won't ever have troubles because you will. But what he is saying is this, listen, you can take courage because I have overcome the world. And I'm not going to overcome because I'm smart enough. I'm not going to come overcome because I'm, I, I'm talented enough or because I'm strong enough. The only reason I'm going to overcome is because Jesus Christ came to this earth. He fought the fight. He fought the fight and went on the cross of Calvary. He rose from the dead and he says, Rodney, here's the victory. I'm giving it to you. It's not because you earned it. It's because I, I earned it for you. And now I give it to you. And I'm here to tell you, saints, you're not a victim, you're a victor. You're not a victim, you're a victor if you're in Christ Jesus this morning. You are a victor. When you think about being a survivor, let me put it like that. What are survivors? Well, if you remember on April 27th, I think it was 2011, when that big tornado came through Coleman. Even though it came in and wiped out a lot of people's homes, wiped out a lot of their valuables, their survivors were still standing after the storm was gone. And guess what? As a child of God, you will survive the storm. You will survive death. You will survive the pit. You will survive the... You will survive. Why? Because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And let me read this again as you come in and play in. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith what is our faith in it's in Jesus Christ not in ourselves who is he that overcomes the world 
But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God 